0: The World Reads from Sharjah, live with Alia, Ahmed, and Aisha.
1: Today is... I'm losing count. Are we on our sixth or seventh day of the International Book I think booklet? seventh. I think seventh, seventh yeah. Uh, uh, no, yesterday was the fifth. Today would be the sixth. We're having so much fun, we lost count. Basically, basically I mean, would you blame us? It is an exciting, uh, well, ten days here at the... Uh, International Book Fair. It is the 39th edition and there's lots of excitement, lots of things happening. Especially today, we've got two interviews and super exciting ones. We're going to be getting an update of what's been happening in the past couple of days at the Sharjah International Book Fair from Khawla Limjaini from the Sharjah uh, Sharjah Book Authority. They have the same... uh, Same Same acronym, yeah, same acronym. (laughs) Every single time, I'm like, the SBA, and people are like, so SBA is a broadcasting authority (laughs) or book authority? I was like, just give me a second, let me clarify that. And we also have Jade Robertson from the International Publishing Director of Austin McCauley publishers. We're going to be talking more about publishing. We did speak about it a couple of days ago, just touched upon it when we spoke to Iman Mansheba from Sale Publishing. But let's go into a bit of international publishing and what's happening over there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, lots lined up for today's program as well. We're going to be talking about uh, what's happening with virtual sessions on the International Book Fair. And there's a little bit of everything here, from seminars to workshops to interviews to an inside look into how writers create those texts that they put together. How to become an author, for instance. How to create an engaging narrative. All of those things are touched on, so we're gonna tell you all about today's session here, live, from the Sharjah International Book Fair.
1: Pulse
0: 95. The world reads from Sharjah. Live with Alia, Ahmed, and Aisha.
2: Good morning everybody, welcome back to our live coverage of the Sharjah International Book Fair and uh, we are delighted to have with us in the studio Jade Robertson She's the International Publishing Director at Austin Macaulay Publishers They have a quite have a bit big presence here at the uh, Book Fair Good morning, welcome to the program
3: Hi, good morning everyone,
2: how are you doing? Doing fine, uh, thank you uh, I'd like to ask you about uh, the state of publishing amid COVID-19 Could you just give us a glimpse into how that's been happening with you?
3: Well I think What happened for us initially is everyone's in like this panic mode because, you know, obviously we saw the COVID situation, it was creeping among us, but we didn't think that it was going to just, everything was just going to go into lockdown so suddenly. So all of our marketing strategies and everything that we'd been planning and forecasting for the year in terms of our publishing list, we kind of just had to put to the side and really think on our feet and think, how can we get the exposure for our titles and reach those readers? So we started to look at more um, online platforms that we could penetrate and, you know, reach those to get the discoverability. And we also started to look into um, virtual events, because I think that was important at the beginning of the pandemic, how we can uh, reach the um, readers and get the authors connected with them and also to get the availability as well through more online platforms. Um, so we started to look for new distributors and new suppliers and new marketing strategies and the way that we could do that.
2: Were those trends happening before the pandemic started and the pandemic sort of accelerated them? Or do you see those as temporary measures that once the pandemic is gone, you're not going to be going back to those virtual online events?
3: I think now for the foreseeable future, that's something that we will continue to do, because I just think that even when the pandemic kind of, you know, flatlines. I think that people's consumer habits and the way that people buy their trends have changed. So I do think that's something that we continue to see for the future. I mean, an example, we started to look into like subscription boxes. So like we have mm. a, a large list of readers that already that buy from us directly. Yeah. So every month we can do like a subscription box and you know they could have the uh, new titles and then it would have like some gifts or something in it just something mm-hmm. different because I just feel like everyone's trying to do the same thing rushing and turning all their books into ebooks or audiobooks so and yeah. we're trying to be a little bit you know different and
1: stand out from the crowd i guess
2: so it's like a mystery box you don't know yes. what you're gonna get oh yeah
1: i love those subscription <laughs> boxes I mean, i've seen a big growth in them across so uh, well instagram actually a lot of instagram pages have started doing those so i love them they're very exciting especially for people who are massive book consumers or book readers mm. and yeah it just adds a little sprinkle of surprise and just like you said it's very different than just going or offering whatever you already sell uh, physically online by creating an online store is another option for people and it's like you said it's a lot of excitement but what is Austin Macaulay Publishers what do you guys specialize in their specific genre or is it something more broad so we're quite
3: broad in terms of what we do. I mean, initially when we came to this market in 2017, we was focusing on translating books mm-hmm. from English to Arabic and Arabic to English, which I think is quite unique because there's a. I think the market is around 70% of translated titles that comes from overseas. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to come and um, bring the, good, the, the English books that we had yeah. that were popular and there was a demand, but they couldn't get them because they couldn't read them in Arabic. Mm-hmm. We started to do that and also we bought our children's list. Um, which we had quite a lot of demand for as well. And we also started to publish in Arabic, so not translated, just direct in Arabic. Um, I like that. And next year we want to focus more on the educational sector. We've been looking into developing our own app mm-hmm. and we're looking into how we can use AI technology. I know everyone's been talking about that about how can we use AI technology, Austin McCauley, for mm-hmm. our books. So that's something we're still working on at the moment.
2: Can you talk to us about the importance of book fairs, like the Charter International Book Fair to publishers?
3: I think the, um, this book fair is key um, in this market and it's the first one since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I'm really uh, grateful to have the opportunity to not only be here, but, you know, meet with other publishers and, and bookstores, because I think it's important we've really missed that face to face. You know, I'm just tired of Zoom now and trying to mm-hmm. connect with everyone by the phone. So I think to actually be here and physically touch the books and, and be amongst the, the atmosphere, it's really important and crucial and mm-hmm. it's important as well to build up your name and the authors that you're working with and, and to get those um, meetings and to be in front of them mm-hmm. because I think that when you're doing things on Zoom, you know, people are sitting on Zoom all day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, people are getting lost in the follow-ups and I just think you get more business done in terms of actually being at a physical yes. book event and connect some of the readers as well. We can't forget about them, mm-hmm. so, yeah. So tell us more about your journey, you started out in London, now you're
0: publishing uh, publishing in Sharjah and you're publishing Arabic books and you have, I noticed that you're supporting a lot of the local talent, so how does one become a writer? How do they get published by you?
3: Okay, so yeah, our journey started in 2006 in London and we actually opened in Sharjah towards the end of 2017, we opened our New York office as well in January 2017. So. Coming directly to Austin McCauley is easy because I mean some of the authors from overseas they ask do you need a literary agent, Um, can you come directly, so we have like an open submission policy so no matter what book you've written you can come directly to us and our editorial team they'll evaluate it and regardless whether we accept it or not we do give you a full critique so we give you feedback. If we decide to publish the book, then we we kind of essentially take you through the whole journey. Because I think when you write a book and people laugh when I say this, it's like your child. You've spent time developing Mm -hmm. that. And, you know, you it's very like close to your heart. Mm -hmm. So you want to feel comfortable with who you're working with and and understand it as well. I mean, we say to the authors, you can be as involved or uninvolved as you like. But it's, you know, we're here and, you know, we're just a call away or an email away. And we want to guide you through the process, whether it's through the developmental editing or the um, cover designer illustrations. Mm-hmm. And also we do involve them in the marketing, which is slightly different now because we used to do a lot of physical book signings. And, you know, everything was, you know, you physically being there. But now that's why we're switching more to the virtual stuff. We actually held a Zoom um seminar
1: mm-hmm. so it was
3: interesting because the authors actually well he's French but he lives in New York and his book's in Arabic wow <laughs> so we had him we had an Arabic translator we had another Arabic translator then we had me speaking and then we had the audience that comes so we, we had about 50 people turn up wow on zoom which I was quite proud of it's our first event I think it was in the middle of April when everything was a bit crazy and everyone was up in the air but it yeah, was quite happy with that and we had a surgeon uh, sales after because he got a lot of online exposure mm-hmm. so yeah we're just I think Everyone's just finding their feet at the beginning. And now. it's great that
0: you're offering authors such an inclusive experience because it's usually a struggle to get published and find the right mm-hmm. editor and get into the publishing house and whatnot. So where can we find your books? here in the fair
3: where can you find we're in um, hall 4 J3 so you can see us we're right at the front you can't miss us we have a huge bright feather as well so <laughs> you can't miss us
1: I love it we're going to be passing by hall 4 later on today then and browsing your books and I hope our listeners too well they come over to well, experienced international, Shard International Book Fair and also pass by Hall 4 where Austin Macaulay publishers are. Thank you so much, Jade. We love speaking to you. And like we said, we're going to be visiting you very soon. We're going to be taking a short break and we'll be continuing our conversation. We have the genre of the day. We're going to be taking you towards fantasy, dragons, and maybe some slaying here and there and much more only here on Pulse 95. Pulse 95
0: world reads from Sharjah live with alia ahmed and aisha
1: so the world of fantasy and science fiction they might seem to some people that they are very different but they Mm -hmm. are somewhat the same in the sense that obviously i'm not bashing any other genre i'm not saying that you do not use your imagination but i feel like sometimes especially when you're reading somebody else's work you really need to put in that extra work in trying to visualize things because when it comes to fantasy and science fiction, I think that know. The sky is the limit, even beyond the sky is the limit If we're talking about science fiction and space and beyond Because people can go crazy in the way they think of things The way they imagine things I need to keep up with the author The mm-hmm. author might say, um, I came across an alien that is uh, very tall and uh, lanky And a, a coral color with spikes on it And you might see it differently I might see it differently And Ahmed might see it differently mm-hmm. You know, I've been doing a lot of convincing over the past few days. It's your turn to convince me with this Ooh, genre. Okay, I'm, <laughs> Let's I'm, go. I'm ready for this because since I was like young, for some reason, I just always gravitated towards fantasy and towards science fiction. Science fiction a bit more later, like I mostly watch science fiction, but it's just, I'm not going to say it's escapism. It's just that I'm, neither am I going to say the world is boring. The world is definitely not boring. We're living in a pandemic. The world is definitely not boring Lots of things are happening every single day But there is just some beauty When you think, like I said earlier When you're imagining things that do not exist It's just like when when you're watching National Geographic or something like that Mm -hmm. And they start talking about an animal that you've never, ever thought would exist. When I tell people, or some people realize that platypuses, you know platypus? Yes. The yeah. one with the, let's a half a duck and half I, a beaver? I know it from
0: Phineas and Ferb, honestly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> like when people go, like, platypuses exist, or platypi. Platypi exists. And people are like, what do you mean? There's something that looks like a beaver and a duck. And so just it tells you that when you have something that is completely makes absolutely no sense when you talk about dragons, when you talk about witches and you talk about fairies and mm-hmm. aliens and you know intergalactic um, intergalactic exploration, It's all just expands your mind beyond then what's in front of you and what you are exposed to. Mm-hmm. I'm kind
0: of convinced, kinda? you know, for, for someone, um, <laughs> I generally like creating things that are realistic that yeah. could happen and it's very weird to a lot of people because I'm Harry Potter's biggest fan and they're mm-hmm. like, this doesn't add up, how are you into like the wizarding world and all the witches and the magic and then you just don't like creating uh, or watching any mm-hmm. of that uh, but I, I understand that sometimes you need a break from the world and it's good to expose your mind to things that do not necessarily exist But at the same time, sometimes the imagination can get daunting. It's a lot Mm. of, like, my brain can't handle it sometimes. I feel it's too much for me to imagine that I need to sit back and (laughs) think, how would this character look like? Should I Google it? Should I see fan illustrations of it? Because I just can't
1: imagine it. I guess I'm not a very imaginative person. But that's the thing. It just gives you an opportunity to go crazy. Like, the author gave you the authority to think of whatever you want. I mean, they just gave you, like, an outline narration and then it's up to your imagination
2: yeah i almost exclusively read uh, literary fiction realist stuff I've, a lot of times like there's aliens involved it doesn't <laughs> really it doesn't move me in any way or affect me emotionally this isn't real mm-hmm. but there's a lot it, we should not dismiss this the genre of science fiction i think there's so many interesting things you could do and things that are relevant Absolutely. to us uh, one author that comes to mind is uh, philip k dick and when he wrote at the time He was not in any way celebrated people thought he was a trash book writer Mm -hmm. but after he passed away and people started to notice his books they saw that in the themes of his books there's an obsession with the breakdown of our real of of reality Mm -hmm. of our perception of the world of our self-identity uh the way we could just lose it and and it reflects in his own life and his own psychosis and Mm -hmm. uh people started revisiting his uh his books and uh the dystopian scenarios they draw and just how real and how relevant they are to today's world so even though he used a lot of sci-fi tropes and unrealistic things and laser guns and such Mm -hmm. it connects with people people today and i think that's what's important that despite throwing in dragons or laser guns or aliens (laughs) in some way shape or form you have something that is human at the core Mm -hmm. something that resonates with people and i think that's where good science fiction lies Uh, and there's plenty of that out there that unfortunately due to the fact that i mostly read realist stuff haven't been as exposed to But Philip K. Dick Certainly comes to mind
1: The thing is What a lot of people Misinterpret is that When you say um, Fantasy You just tie it Very much to Fairy tales And even fairy tales Sometimes At their core They do have Something very realistic And I'm gonna have to Distinguish between Fairy tales and fantasy And science fiction Because like I, Like Rahmat said They are very very realistic In terms of the story Yes the setting Might be strange Yes the setting Might be in a place You've never th- thought of it's in an alternate dimension. It could be in a fair, very, like a fantasy world, a fairyland. But at the yeah. end of the day, they're stories, their lives, everything is super, super realistic. Exactly. And, and regardless of how you feel
0: mm-hmm. about the genre, you have to appreciate the... The absolute amazing world That those authors create The fact yes. that they can come up With very intricate details And characters And mm-hmm. even sometimes Money systems Like it's just fascinating How they can build A world of their own And we need yeah. to appreciate that Regardless of how we feel About the Look genre Look Tolkien
1: And the fact that he created An entire language And an entire legacy That Nearly 100 years later people are still completely bewitched by his writing even though he has he's long gone and even his son just passed away not too long ago I mean look at the movie adaptations and the you know the various forms of media that came out of the Hobbit the Lord of the Rings the Silmarillion this is just super, super intricate. That's why like, I feel like when it comes to fantasy writing or science fiction, the world building is just absolutely fantastic. And it makes it super hard to write this, especially when you're trying to keep up. If you look at Game of Thrones, for example, Mikhail and I always talk about Game of Thrones in our show, and we always say that you know, it's they had a lot of problems with the TV show lately. Yeah. And the reason could easily be simply because people were able to notice the small details the things where they went wrong yeah. which makes it even that's the thing if you start forgetting as a writer or a screenwriter or whatever sort of um, the person's creating the story yeah. you forget tiny details because oh, it's passed my mind but your readers and the people who are watching the movie or the people who are listening to your audiobook you're gonna keep up with you That's why yeah. I feel like This is super difficult to I do never it.
0: watched Game of Thrones I tried to read it I just couldn't But <laughs> it was I remember the scandal Of that coffee uh, cup In the that episode though. Like That was so dramatic yeah. But the mm-hmm. fact that People like me Who have never read it Who have never Watched it And they would know All those details The plot What's going on How mm. everyone hated The last season <laughs> yeah. I know all those details And I've never watched A single episode mm-hmm.
2: Yeah A L- mm-hmm. lot of interesting stuff Out there as well uh, H.B. Lovecraft You know what Cthulhu oh, yeah. is yeah.
1: Yes, Cthulhu, love Cthulhu. Yeah,
2: I mean, yeah. so he, he writes this like weird horror fiction with mm-hmm. fantastical elements, uh, creatures from outer space. And what's cool about it is um, when he draws out these horrific scenes, which are quote-unquote unrealistic, but then mm-hmm. you read it and it reminds you of how insignificant we are, how helpless oh, yeah. we are sometimes mm-hmm. when we wade into unknown territories. So, I mean, I guess my point is that y- they might use objects that seem unrealistic, like monsters or aliens or really absurd or grotesque situations but if you really get into it you could connect it to your life to a sense of truth and Mm -hmm. maybe even in some instances it's the most effective way of capturing a truth when you point to the absurdity of it all so it's it's something to take seriously and there are a lot of good uh, sci-fi fantasy horror fiction writers out there and Mm We should check out the book fair. There's plenty of those here.
1: Definitely. (laughs) I mean, there are several halls here, several halls for you to discover and slay your own dragons there. I'm going to give you, Alia, um, a suggestion, a book for you to read. Maybe you can find it here in the book fair. I'm going to be honest. I haven't read it. It's been on my read list, but Mm -hmm. I have watched the movie, and it just happens to be my favorite movie like absolutely top movie ever I'm intrigued it's that one and it it's some the movie itself is somewhat inspired mm-hmm. by the book and I know a lot of people say that the book is quite different than the movie but that's the you know, we talked about adaptations yesterday I think that what makes you like makes both of them even though they're similar and they're about the same thing it makes you love both of them as much as possible <laughs> for different reasons yeah. And it is Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne-Jones. Have you heard of her? She's a well-known writer. Yeah. pretty sure yeah. when you were a kid in the library or a bookstore, you've seen her books everywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah. But Howl's Moving Castle, that is your homework. That's what you should be reading. And also, <laughs> Ahmed should be reading. I will pick it up. I've, I've heard about it from several people. So mm. I guess you have succeeded in convincing I'm me glad. to pick at least one book. Least, you know what? After the show, the three of us get we got a copy of it. And that will be our all, all of our homework. How about that? Yeah, Let's do that. Let's go. And
2: you'd recommend the movie as well?
1: Yes, the movie. Do you know how many times I watched that? <laughs> Way too many times to count. And Just a side story. Once it was on TV, it kept on repeating every single throughout the entire day. <laughs> and I sat down and watched it every single time of wow. that day. So it repeated in the morning. I was getting ready and I saw it, watched it all. Again can happen later on during the day And I watched it all at night And I watched it all That's how beautiful that movie Sweet. is How's Moving Castle Guys, are you fans of fantasy? Are you fans of, you know, going to space And the galactic exploration and all that? Then this is the genre of the day We're going to be taking a break We have Khaula Janey from the Sharjah Book Authority To give us some updates about what is going on At the Sharjah International Book Fair
0: You're listening to Pulse95 the world reads from Sharjah live with Alia Ahmed and Aisha
2: good morning everybody welcome back to our live coverage of the Sharjah International Book Fair and uh, we're happy to have with us here in the studio Khaul Al Mujaini general coordinator of the Sharjah International Book Fair welcome to the show
4: thank you so much
2: thank you for coming in Uh, let's talk about the book fair so far we're a few days in how has it been
4: Uh, Well uh, the 39th edition of the Sharjah International Book Fair has made a flying start uh, on all accounts. Uh, Starting with the 1024 uh, publishers from 73 countries, uh, they put their trust to come to the Sharjah International Book Fair and to enrich its um, uh, shelves with more than 80 new titles. Uh, With the uh, sixth day of the Sharjah International Book Fair, we have um, um, thousands of visitors uh, came to visit the book fair and to start or to get th- their books fr- from our publishers.
1: And what about you? Just mentioned the eighty books. So what are the achievements so far of the Sharjah International Book Fair in this edition?
4: Well, having the book fair itself during mm-hmm. this year is is an achievement for us. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for this year, we 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 made it. Uh, we I mean. Um, uh, after a ser- series of cancellations of international book fairs since the COVID nineteen COVID nineteen outbreak, yeah. uh, ours is the first major book industry event in the region in two thousand uh, twenty since March. Mm-hmm
1: amazing honestly it makes me super proud of being from Sharjah knowing that we are one of the few if not the only international book fair that is physical and happening and I love the fact that we have a combination of virtual events and also something that allows people to see each other interact with each other and so it benefits both the readers in charter and also the industry itself when we have the publishers here come over and interact with their customers. Can you give us a little bit more details about the precautionary measures and the procedures? I mean we've heard about them, but can you give us a rundown a reminder of what you guys are what are you guys doing? For the past couple of days And we'll be doing For the next couple of days Yeah
4: When we started to uh, Or to think of Organizing the Sharjah International Book Fair We made it clear That we, w- we would love To have an event Which is safe For our visitors mm. So uh, there's lots of uh, Measurements have been taken uh, place uh, Have been taken In this uh, sh- uh, book fair Starting from The registration The registration uh, Booking the slots For the, uh, for, the pub- for the visitors um, uh, 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 Keeping Keep reminding the visitors of the importance of uh, the keep wearing their masks, mm-hmm. uh, canceling the, the actual activities and um, building a new platform which is a virtual flat platform to host uh, mm-hmm. our activities um, and uh, a lot a lot of uh, uh, measurements have been taken.
1: Interesting, super interesting, guys. I know we've heard it so many times, but remember to keep your distance, stay safe, and take care of yourselves and each other and the community, of course. And what do you want to tell our listeners? How do you want to get them to come to the Shard International Book Fairs, especially since we have like just a couple of days left till the end of it?
4: Um, I would say this is an opportunity for books books lovers or Mm -hmm. the readers to to come in here and uh, Um, get their books uh, safely and I think they're going to enjoy their experience this time
1: absolutely I agree I mean all of us are already (laughs) enjoying our experience over here even though again we've been to so many book fairs before but uh, for some reason every single year makes it more lovelier and more exciting thank you so much Khawla Limjaini the general coordinator of the Sharjah International Book Fair. We're going to be taking a short break and be continuing our conversation about books and so much more live here at Sharjah Expo Center.
0: This is
2: Pulse 95.
1: His Highness Sheikh Dr. Sultan bin Muhammad Al Qasimi
0: as an author. And we are back to discuss the amazing writings of His Highness Sheikh Dr. Sultan bin Mohammed Al-Qasimi, Supreme Council Member and Ruler of Sharjah. The book we are discussing today is called Sharjah Air Station Between Gulf. Uh, sorry, between East and West. The book talks about the first air station in the UAE, which was in Sharjah. The time frame is in the 1930s and uh, the British government basically stationed their air route to India from the Persian coast to the Arabian coast. Hmm. During this time frame, there was this power struggle between the British government and the rulers of the Trucial States, which is the UAE right now, Mm -hmm. because they refused to grant their requested facilities until they got their independence and their independence was actually respected. What I enjoyed the most about the book is that not only does it talk about the power dynamics between the British and the Trucial States, but it also talks about uh, several important figures in Sharjah, uh, such as uh, Isa Sarkad, the translators, the merchants, and all those people who mattered in Sharjah. And I absolutely love reading books written by His Highness because Yes, he's into history and he usually uh, writes in that genre, but it's so many different things. So this is about aviation. Last yeah. time we discussed uh, like a fiction book. Mm-hmm. Um, he has plays, he has historical
1: documentation. So it's really cool to see how uh, diverse his uh, books are. Absolutely, especially this one, because I remember, I think anybody who well went to school in Sharjah could tell you that they have been to al Mahatta Museum. And that is where I was first... Introduced to the idea that Sharjah was basically a hub or a connection between the East and the West when it came to everybody coming from Europe or the UK to be exact and the British Empire basically connected everybody from India, Southeast Asia in general or East Asia all the way to the West and I love that very much and I have a small quiz for you guys. Can you know how many museums we have in Sharjah?
2: That's tough one because we have plenty of those. Yes,
1: I mean, the Emirate of Sharjah. Come on, Gabby. Gabby's giving away the answer. That's cheating. You're not allowed. Gabby, our videographer, being a little cheater over here at the Pulse 95 studio at the Sharjah Expo Center. But hmm, come on.
2: Now that I'm thinking about <laughs> it, I received some signals. Uh, should I relay the answer?
1: Go ahead. Let's see.
2: Uh, could you re- repeat the signal, Gabby? <laughs> All right, Gabby's showing me. I see six sixty-three? Is it 63 museums?
1: No, no. I came that's up with some, that myself. I mean, you're giving us that's the wrong answer. Oh. <laughs> you actually had the right answer at the beginning. It's 16 museums. 16. Ah, 16 okay, museums. 16 and 63 are completely different numbers. <laughs> <laughs> 16. It's according to the Sharjah um, Sharjah Museum Authority. They say 16, and I think they are the uh, authority that I should be trusting, and not Gabby, our videographer, who claims we have <laughs> apparently 63. <laughs> museums and Sharjah. But honestly, I don't blame it. It feels like they have 63.
0: They're so diverse. They I cover agree. so many different topics, so mm-hmm. many different fields. So,
1: yes, they do feel like 63. Absolutely. There are so many things going on here in Sharjah. And you're talking about the airport itself as well. And what we know about Sharjah Airport is that the small airport on the um, Sharjah International Airport Road. Mm-hmm. And the one that, again, it's very unique. It's very lovely. Even the area itself, I love it. It's also the International Airport uh, Park as well, but then when you go to that museum, you see the the planes, then the artifacts and all that, and even has information about how they created it. And mm-hmm. even when my parents told me a long time ago, when I was a kid, I misinterpreted what they said. But they told me that uh, my grandfather was one of the people who worked on it as well, like the ones who were digging around and uh, doing this. So, so it has cool. a lot yeah. of like a massive legacy, mm-hmm. and that's one of those small. Informations about Sharjah that people overlook, and just honestly, everybody from Sharjah makes it just happy and boasts about the emirate. And again, I know I'm biased. I'm incredibly biased about Sharjah, but come on, Sharjah is quite special.
2: It is quite special, and it, it's interesting throughout history. Whenever there's a, a major war theater or a conflict. Uh, Sharjah always plays a big role somehow. I mean, for instance, in World War II, uh, Sharjah played a pretty central role uh, to the British Royal Air Forces. They operated from Sharjah and confronted German submarines in the Sea of Oman and wow. the Arabian Gulf as well. And uh, British and Commonwealth uh, servicemen uh, pretty much were helped by the Bedouins in the area. They also helped survivors of air accidents. And by 1944, thousands of Allied military aircraft in World War II were flying over Sharjah every month. Many exhausted crew members were refueling there, getting supplies. So Sharjah played a central role in resupplying those jets and uh, leading up to the allied uh, forces victory in World War II so always dig through history you find interesting uh, snippets like that
1: all about Sharjah and our special Sharja. our book of the day was Sharjah Air Station Between East and West created or written by His Highness Sheikh Dr. Sultan bin Muhammad Al-Qasimi Supreme Council member and ruler of Sharjah of course you can find this book at Al-Qasimi Publishing at well, several halls over here at the Sharjah International Book Fair and of course they do have a Website as well. We're going to be taking a break, and then we're going to be running you through the agenda of the day and the sessions and the signings and everything that is happening here at the Sharjah International Book Fair.
2: You're listening
0: listening to Pulse 95.
2: Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95.
3: Sharjah International Book Fair agenda.
0: And as usual, we have a very busy day full of fun activities. So since we're discussing uh, His Highness's publications, uh, building off of that, at 1 p.m., Gilbert Sano and Fatma Sultan al-Mazrui will be discussing the freedom of the writer in the historical novel. What kind of freedom do they have? What are the limits? And basically, how can they express themselves while still being true to that historical time frame?
2: Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting discussion as well. Uh, The liberties that a a history writer would take also up ahead at 3 p.m. today. And again, if you'd like to check out any of these virtual sessions, the website to go to is ChargerReads.com. That is ChargerReads.com. So Ian Rankin, 3 p.m. today, he's going to be talking about crime novels. He's going to talk about the stresses, the excitement that goes into creating a a series of crime novels and he's gonna delve into it in more details he's gonna talk about his influences how he began writing and then he's gonna talk about his writing process how he creates a compelling narrative how to hook the reader and keep them engaged in a series so that's gonna be at 3 p.m. with renowned crime fiction writer Ian Rankin and we've got so much more to look forward to later on in the day
1: yes because the next one would be talking about relatability between The author and the readers. We spoke earlier about the the, um, genre of the day, which happened to be fantasy and science fiction. And to some people, they might think that this is not relatable. When in reality, the stories is what connects people. So this session talks about a draw's inspiration, about the stories that the authors try to convey through their novels and books. And they ask and they wonder, do the reader have to be from said community for them to understand what the author is saying or where they're coming from and how does that how does a connection happen that is going to be at 7 p.m mm. today and it's going to be with tim westover and dalal abdullah yusuf there yeah. are so many things happening guys go yep. to sharjareads.com to read about these sessions and sign up for them as well
2: yeah that, that session in particular is very interesting because they talk about when you're writing about a community or a group of people can you really do it justice if you're not a member of that community, a member of that mm-hmm. group? So yeah. that's something they're going to be debating. I personally don't think uh, it's it's going to be as effective. For, for instance, I wouldn't write about what it's like to be a woman or what mm-hmm. it's like to be a member yes. of a particular Community Or an indigenous tribe You can't do exactly. that No matter how much research You put in mm-hmm. You can't accurately relay those uh, But it's yeah. interesting They're going to debate that They're going to discuss it A lot of people think They can do that And do it justice mm-hmm. And that's what they're Going to be talking about
1: And yeah. also goes back To the idea of um, The narrator Or having somebody else Convey your story for you yeah. Maybe I can tell Ahmed my story And is that enough Can he be the vessel To take my words And write it for me That's probably going to be Some of the things they are going to be discussing Or if you like What we brought up To the topic or the table you guys can take our questions and ask them to tim westover and Dala later on today and this is the end of our hour right here the Sharjah International Book Fair at the Sharjah Expo Center. Our time will be the same tomorrow from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. taking you through the entirety of what is happening right here. And yes, this is only the end of our journey today through the words and the books here, right here in Sharjah, because the world is reading from Sharjah and so are you. So stay tuned tomorrow. Same time, same vibes with Aisha al-Mazmi, Ahmed Dawood and Ali al-Hassami.
0: The world reads from
3: Sharjah, live with Aliyah, Ahmed and Aisha.